Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Business Leadership Today podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tenney. As an active CEO, my goal is, is to build and sustain world-class organizations that make a positive impact on the lives of employees and on the global community. Although I've spent nearly a decade doing leadership consulting, I know I have a lot to learn. And I have a lot of questions regarding how we can continuously get better and achieve our goals. Through this podcast, we reach out to top thought leaders and business leaders to get answers to those questions, and we give you the opportunity to listen to their answers too. This episode is part of a series we're doing on how to improve employee engagement and retention. My guest today is Dr. Paul Marciano, who just so happens to be a leading authority on employee engagement and retention. In fact, his book, Carrots and Sticks Don't Work, is widely regarded as one of the most important books on employee engagement. So Dr. Paul earned his PhD in clinical psychology from Yale, where he specialized in behavior modification and motivation. And he has served on the faculties of Davidson College and Princeton University, where he's taught courses in leadership, industrial organizational psychology, survey development, research methods, and statistics. Dr. Paul has worked in the field of organizational development for over 25 years and is the president of human relations consulting firm Whiteboard LLC which is a company that's committed to helping organizations cultivate, manage, and grow their human capital. So Paul's internationally acclaimed book that I mentioned a moment ago, Carrots and Sticks Don't Work, provides dozens of real-world case studies and turnkey strategies to help employee, to help increase employee discretionary effort and reduce turnover. And his newest book is called Let's Talk About It, Turning Confrontation into Collaboration. So I'm looking forward to, to discussing ideas on employee engagement and retention uh, from both of those books today. And I'm super excited to talk to Dr. Paul because of this very unique blend of a lot of research, a lot of time in academia, while also consulting with, I would say, well, it's certainly in the hundreds, Dr. Paul, maybe thousands of organizations at this point, um, and just seeing all these trends over the years that we get to learn from. So Dr. Paul, thanks so much for being here today on uh, Business Leadership Today. Matt, I'm really honored to be on the show and love what you guys do. Thank you. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you. And, uh, you know, before we jump into kind of the, the real meat, um, which is going to be in just a minute, you know, and I'm going to ask you to share your thoughts on the seven most important things that a leader needs to do if we want to improve employee engagement and retention. I thought it'd be great to, to kind of kick things off, just get, the, get our brains engaged with a story that I know you like to share about the first day of work. So could you introduce us to your thoughts by sharing that story? Sure. I've, uh, Matt, I've only really hold, held one job and it was for three months. I'm, I'm clearly not cut out for uh, <laughs> corporate world. Um, just just as, as a little frame for this, I was born and raised on a hundred acre horse farm. And my father said, if you want to eat seven days a week, you work seven days a week. And I only say that from the context of like, I've I've worked really hard my whole life. And uh, after leaving academia, um, I, took a, I took a job with this consulting firm. And so, you know, the first day of work, uh, you know, you, you show up early, hopefully, right? You show up <laughs> early. And I remember, and it's February here in New Jersey, and it's like real cold, and I'm standing outside the door, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, 830 or whatever it was. And uh, there's no one coming, no one coming at like one minute to nine, the, uh, admin shows up and, you know, she, you know, looks at me and, Hey, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, I'm starting work today. And, you know, I'd already met her three times. So I really made a great impression. 
And, you know, I go up and I'm sitting in the lobby and I'm kind of waiting for my boss. And I'm like, what is going on here? You know, the, the secretary or the admin sitting there drinking coffee, reading the comics. And anyway, after like 45 minutes, my boss calls, uh, you know, the admin and says, oh, uh, I forgot to tell Paul that I'm not going to be in today. So just have him do the paperwork. And so there's this manila envelope that's been sitting right in front of her, my name on it. And she says, hey, um, you're supposed to go fill these out. And so I said, uh, okay, well, you know, is there a desk someplace I could sit? And so she points around the corner. She goes, well, you know, the last guy sat there. And so I go <laughs> over and Matt, I promise you, I'm not making this, you know, like there are FICA trees in an office. Right. And so there are like two dead FICA trees with leaves, you know, <laughs> falling on the table. This should have been an omen to me that this is not a place where either plants or people are going to thrive. <laughs> right. You know, and so I, I do all this paperwork and it's all mundane and it's just like this, it's just, I hand it in and, and, and it's like, well, what do I do now? And she looks at me and shrug, shrugs. And so all this stuff unfolded. Uh, and I became in the matter of like, I realized in a couple of weeks, like a, a Dilbert cartoon, you know, where <laughs> I'd sit there, I'd watch the clock go, you know, and listen, a great day at work. And when you're really engaged is, you know, you sit down and all of a sudden it's the end of the day and you're tired, but you feel like you've really got something done. And for everyone out there who's listening, who's ever had a job where they sit there and watch the clock go by, it's just, it's miserable, right? And we're not meant to be like that as human beings. So I go from somebody who had this absolute work ethic no doubt of having worked hard in everything I've ever done in my life to somebody who's sitting there and watching the clock go by. Right. And one of the things I realized was the loss of respect that I had for the, for my manager, for the leaders, for the company, you know, and, and the lack of respect that I felt toward me. So as I said, I, uh, I think I lasted three months. Wow. That's a, it sounds like a very cold welcome to say the least. Uh, yeah. Well, I think, and I think one of the takeaways, Matt, is this, is that, you know, employees come to us in a state, at least a state of readiness to engage. You know, right. it's, it's not as though it's like, you know, be the kid would get going on a first date and saying, you know, I'm, I'm so excited to be here because, you know, three months from now I see, you know, restraining orders, I see misery and drudgery. <laughs> right. You know, we don't do that, right? right? We show up to a job the first day because we're excited to be there. We think we're going to make a contribution. Right. And, you know, when all that goes south, that's when we become really disengaged. You know, if you, if you look at, um, you know, even some of the, the worst players in your organization, if you go back in time, they probably started in an engaged state. So the question is, what had them disengage? And then what can you as a leader do in order to reengage them? Absolutely. Well, that's a perfect segue, Dr. Paul, into what I'd like to ask you about today. So I know in Carrots and Sticks Don't Work, you outlined what you believe um, through your decades of experience and just seeing all these trends over the years are the most important things that we as leaders need to be doing if we want to not suck the engagement right out of people yeah. and, and hopefully inspire engagement, right? And yeah. inspire increased engagement. And you've highlighted um, the seven most important things. So what I'd like you to do maybe to, to uh, before we go deep on any of these, if you, if you could just touch on these seven ideas so that if nothing else, whoever's listening can walk away with, well, here's seven really important things I need yeah. to be thinking about. And then after you share that, I'd like to go 
I'd like to go deeper on a couple and really talk about how we execute on it well. Yeah, sure. And, and again, it's backdrop, you know, carrots and sticks don't work. Why that name? It's because there's 50 plus years, Matt, of research that shows traditional reward and recognition programs actually not only do they fail to, to motivate people, they actually lead to an overall decrease in morale for an organization mm. and causes demotivation and disengagement. And by the way, there is a difference between motivating people and engaging people. And in, in my, my mind's eye, it's, you know, we think about motivating people, it's, it's like taking a Mickey Mouse toy and winding it up right. and it runs around really fast. The problem is, of course, <laughs> right. it unwinds. And as managers, right, as leaders, that's not the game we want to be in. We want to help people wind themselves up, so to speak, to be more, if you think about it, more kind of internally motivated. Right. And um, so, the, so I'll, I will, I'll actually answer your question now. I don't want to be a politician, answer different <laughs> questions. <laughs> no, your question. I, think that, I think that context is really important, you know, because- there, I think there is a lot of ideas like that, especially in the startup world. I, I mean, I see it all the time where people think, oh, employee engagement. Oh, that means we need a ping pong table in the office, right? We need free snacks. You know, no, that's not what you need, right? So here, here's what you need. Yeah. And, and yeah. Dr. Paul will share with us, I think, what we really need. Those yeah, things so- might be fruits of, uh, of leaders who really get it, but that's not in and of itself going to do much of anything. No, it's not at the core. So the reason for the respect model and acronym was that I was I was asked, and this goes back now 20 something years, to talk about motivating employees in the 21st century. And I had, as I just said, there really is a difference between motivation and engagement. Right. Um, but I had taken all these motivational theories, right? So I got my doctrine motivation. I knew every one. <laughs> uh, and I can put you and your listeners all to sleep. Uh, reciting those, talking about them. But what I started to do is try to draw lines and just try to find, hey, what's the common denominator among all of these? And that's where I got down to this idea of respect. Mm. And so, you know, fundamentally as human beings, it's, you know, there's there's a great quote by Jackie Robinson, which says, um, you know, basically, I don't care if you like or dislike me. All I care is that you um, respect me as a human being. Right. And so fundamentally, and there's some reason for this, you know, about why respect is so fundamentally important to us as human beings. In terms of the the model, so the R is for recognition. So fundamentally, people just want to be recognized and acknowledged for the contributions that they make. And again, I would ask your listeners to think about for your own selves, times when that was true and when that wasn't true. Um, You know, when when we work really hard uh, and we're acknowledged, we want to work harder. It's basic behavioral psychology reinforcement theory right um when we when we aren't recognized or acknowledged or, or <clears throat> the worst case right is somebody else takes credit especially our boss right that's very um demotivating for us so it's it's just that re- that recognition um empowerment so really providing employees with the tools to be successful and to really set people up for success um you know, and unfortunately, the people I think we set up to fail the most, Matt, are first-time supervisors, people managers, mm. because people get promoted into those roles for really reasons that have nothing to do with being successful in those roles. 
right. get promoted because they have tenure, right? Because they have a good work ethic, because they're really good at turning the wrench, whatever that is. Right. Not necessarily because they're good at building teamwork or providing people with clear expectations and feedback. And so when we think about empowering people, how do we set them up no matter where they are in the organization for success? Um, supportive feedback, um, you know, I'm going to dive into this a bit more, I know, but, you know, how do we give people the kind of constructive feedback um, that they need? Again, whether it's, hey, great job, a form of reinforcement, or, hey, here are some things that you could really work on. Um, you know, I ask people who here really loves to give negative, you know, feedback, um, when sometimes people raise their hands, it's a little scary. Most people won't, right? Most people <laughs> don't like to give negative feedback. Right. Um, but I say, you don't ever have to do that again. All you have to do is give supportive feedback from the come from the place of caring about the other person. Um, P uh, is partnering. So um, really developing those collaborative working relationships. And most typically it looks like sharing information. Um, it looks like when there are decisions to be made, we do those jointly, right? Yeah, so partnering, and and we know certainly. If, I, don't, I don't know when we stop saying the X Y Z or newer generation. I, I don't know, uh, <laughs> but the younger generation, um, maybe over the last twenty years, you know, there's really this. Um, you know, people don't like the hierarchies, right? right. That just doesn't speak to them. So partnering is really about breaking down those hierarchies. The uh, E is for just setting clear expectations and holding people accountable to those. Um, by the way, if, if, I'm, if I'm a boss and I've asked somebody to do something, they haven't accomplished that goal, the first place I'm going to look is in the mirror and say, have I been clear regarding this? Right. You know, because we always think we're clear and not always as clear as we think we're we are, um, but am I am I creating, helping people set up for success. And by the way, it's, it's really hard for somebody to say to an adult, uh, another person, especially their manager, Hey, I don't understand what you're saying. Right. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to look like you're not intelligent, right? You don't want to be seen that way or like you right. weren't listening or whatever the case may be. You feel like it's a failure if you have to ask for clarification, right? Exactly. And you know, the worst thing is people say, okay, so Matt, you got it. And there's really <laughs> only response, which is, Yeah. And yeah, maybe like, I think I got it, but I don't know, or I'm not sure, or I really don't. And um, so it's really, you know, it's on the manager or the leader and, and to be really clear and to make sure um, that other people are clear about what's request. Because part of the problem is not only won't you get the job done, but it's really hard to hold somebody accountable if they didn't actually know what they were supposed to do in the first place. Right, right. Uh, we got two more to go here. So consideration is you know, really just demonstrating basic thoughtfulness, empathy, kindness, and probably that's probably been uh, more important than ever during this time of COVID. And, you know, just the struggles that people have had in all kinds of ways, Yeah. Um, you know, just really being thoughtful about what people are and what people go through. Uh, one of, uh, I'll tell you, one of, one of the stories that always sticks in my head, and this from um, several years ago now was, uh, given a talk and this gentleman came up to me and he had owned a small business. And he said, you know, he said, I had an employee and a pretty, pretty kind of blue collar, uh, you know, little business he had. And um, he said, an employee came to me and said, Hey, my, my brother uh, in West Virginia is really sick. 
And um, he was up in Connecticut and said, I, there's no one else in my family. I need to, I really need some time off to go help him. So boss says, yes, he goes for a week. He comes back and um, the boss, the owner hands him a paycheck and it was for the whole week's salary, mm. you know? And the guy looked at him and said, but I don't understand. You know, I, I didn't work, you know, I didn't earn this. And he said, you know, the most important thing in the world is to take care of your family. And I didn't want you to have to worry about paying your bills. Mm. And so you just think about one, right? It's, it's the right thing to do. Right. If you can, right? If you can afford three. But like how much loyalty do you gain from something like that? Mm. And, and, you know, other people are watching, right? They get it. They see this. Like right. you actually care about people. So that's, that's consideration. And then the last is, is trust, you know, um, you know, and, and, and trust, I think about it, like, as this is you're, you and I are in a relationship and, you know, I, I, there are the experiences that occur and it's like, I put a nickel in the, in the piggy bank and you put a dime in the piggy bank. And, you know, over time we build up this trust. Now, if something happens, for example, Matt, I find out you said something behind my back, you know, it's like taking that porcelain piggy bank and dropping it on the ground and it breaks into a thousand pieces and mm. you can never put it back together again. If you sort of kind of, it's certainly never the same. And so we know that this idea is absolutely critical in terms of um, the idea of trust is critical in terms of relationships. And it's something that, you know, again, generally has to be fostered over time. And um, without it, you know, you're really going to have our time having engaged employees. Mm. Wow. This is a lot to think about. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad uh, that we've, we've got your book to reference <laughs> for anything that we don't get a chance to go deeper on today. Um, but I would like to go deeper on a couple of these for people who, who uh, want to get some great guidance right now on how to execute on a couple of these. And the one, the ones that I'm most interested in, I think, are all kind of tied to communication, which is what let's talk about it is about. So I, I can see there's a lot of overlap between the respect model and being really effective as a communicator. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd, I'd like to dive into those. And I would imagine that we'll touch on ideas from, from both of the books um, with these three. So the first one I wanted to go deeper on is supportive feedback. So sharing mm -hmm. ongoing performance feedback, both positive and corrective. Um, so maybe if you could just share with us a little bit about, for one, why is this so important for engagement and then maybe some of the mindsets that we need to have to do it well. And, and then maybe even a couple of tactical things that we can apply to, to do this well and consistently. Sure. So when I think about supportive feedback, I think about, um, first of all, breaking down the dichotomy of it being positive or critical or negative. You know, it's just providing people the kind of feedback they need in order to be successful. I do think about it from, you know, a coaching analogy. So, you know, if we've got a player um, and we hopefully empower them to be successful and then we put them out on the playing field, right? Let them play, come out and give them that ongoing coaching, that ongoing feedback. You know, we wouldn't have a situation uh, and we're in the, the playoffs right now. Um, you know, you, you wouldn't have a situation where a quarterback threw an interception in preseason and you waited until the end of the season to talk about it. Right. It's that's ridiculous. And yet what we often do is we have these semi-annual or these annual performance reviews. Right. 
and and somehow we we wait for this to oftentimes deliver bad news and you know if if so if you're giving an employee performance feedback you know at their annual review and it's a surprise to him or her you're you haven't done your job and if you've been on the receiving end of that you often say well why the heck didn't you tell me that six months ago right. when I could have done something about it right so then for me you know the question is how do you make supportive feedback you know more powerful and and just to give a little bit more backdrops. Actually, this is my 35th year of doing this kind of human capital, human resources work. And I would say- I wanted to let you say that. You know, I was, I said over 25. uh, So I'll uh, let you say the exact year. (laughs) I got a, I got a, uh, I I started when I was 12. So, um, you know, and, and I, you know, I listen, I I have had the, the opportunities and, and, and blessings to work with all kinds of different companies, you know, from aerospace, the healthcare, the education, whatever. And I think the one common denominator, and this goes beyond professional, this goes into like us as human beings, the challenge of having straight conversations with people. Mm. And so it's, there's, there's fear. So oftentimes the, the supportive feedback or people think about giving negative feedback and they're somehow, they're scared somehow to do that. And it's funny, Matt, because I've seen even the most high level executive, you know, they'll tell me I'm coaching one of their, one of their people. Well, this guy's really got to work on this or that. Right. Well, have you told them that? Well, no, well, <laughs> why not? So I think, for let's talk about it, it was really identifying, hey, if, if one of the, the limitations when it comes to making people effective in the workplace or effective in life is you know, not having or not being successful, effective at, at these kinds of conversations, what, what can we do about it? Mm. Um, and so, so you know, my, my mindset, by the way, is that in general, dysfunction, human interpersonal dysfunction is the result of people's inability, unwillingness uh, or lack of skill in having these straight conversations. Mm. And that's what the, the book is all about, right? We we avoid them. That's primarily what we do because we have a fear that we're going to be unsuccessful. So if we're going to be successful in providing supportive feedback, which means showing respect, which relates to driving engagement, we're going to have these very healthy discussions in which I I, I don't start with assumptions. Right. I'm going to start with, hey, Matt, um, you know, here's what I've seen going on. You know, here's what I thought. And this drives into expectation setting some. But what I think we agree to, it's what I call the confused and concerned speech. So like, Matt, I'm confused because I thought we were we agreed to this. And I'm concerned because that doesn't seem to have been what happened. Um, Catch me up. Right. Right. What? What's going on here? Right, and then and then creating that as a conversation, a collaborative conversation, in which you're giving the person the kind of again, the kind of coaching that's going to lead them to be successful. Right, and it you know I could see that being, in a, in a really powerful way of of creating a dialogue because the person doesn't feel attacked. You're just stating right. facts, right? This is what I have observed. This is what I thought we agreed to. Can you tell me what's happening? And I mean, how many times is there a really good reason for why it happened? You know, and if you had just jumped to assumptions, you could really damage that relationship, right? But by giving them a chance to say, well, you know, I, I lost a relative three days ago. I didn't want to tell anybody. I've been grieving. Like, oh, well, I'm really glad I didn't just think you were a slacker, <laughs> you know, yeah. and just jump to conclusions, right? So 
is that is that something you're seeing as uh, an impact of really opening it up like this to give the team member the the first shot here at kind of explaining yeah. what's happening? Yeah, that's that's right on, Matt. And 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 I think that most of us come to conversations. Uh, you know, what we view as maybe potentially difficult in some way, uh, just making assumptions that we know everything, we have all the facts. Mm, right. And so my approach is, hey, I probably don't have all the facts, or I don't have them right. So I would go, hey, Matt, here's my understanding of what's going on here. Tell me what I don't know, or tell me what I've got wrong. Mm. And just as you said, I mean, it ta- way takes down those defenses, right? It makes it this collaborative dialogue with the other person. And that's boy, what a, a different way to say, hey, Matt, why didn't you do this? Which gives the, you know, the underlying thing, to, again, the defensive is I'm accusing you of something, whether it's accusing you of being stupid, or right. lazy or insubordinate. What positive is going to come out of that? Right. It's just, an, it's an attack. So we probably immediately go to defensive mode, right? And you're not going to have a good conversation. From or there. attack back. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, from a, so that's great from a mindset approach, um, you know, really going into it as though, Hey, I don't, I don't have the answers and I'm not going to assume that I do. I have some information, but I know that I don't have all of it. So let's, let's gather some more information and then have a dialogue about what's happening. Um, you know, from a tactical perspective, could you share, you know, I, I noticed that it, you, you, you talk about the importance of it being ongoing, right? Where we don't want to just wait for a biannual or annual performance review, like how often, and we also don't want to only give feedback when people are doing something that we that isn't in line with the expectations that we created, right? We want to be giving feedback continuously. Um, so what is, what, what would you suggest for how often do we give feedback? Yeah. You know, is it like, is it when a big project is accomplished or yeah. is it, uh, is it a time interval? Like what, what's your guidance yeah. there? Man, that's great. That's a great question, Matt. It's sort of what's the cadence. Yeah. So, yeah. If, so if we go if we go back to a specific problem or issue, and I, I always say this, you know, uh, one of the things you always want to do is literally put it on the calendar when we're going to talk again about it, because mm. otherwise, the next time we're going to talk about it is when there's a problem. Mm. So Matt, you and I have come to some agreements, some understanding, some commitments around these things, and just want to check in, make sure we're on the right track. So let's you know, three weeks from now, sit down in some way, again, make sure we're on that right track. Let's not make assumptions. Um, you know, what, what drives me crazy when it comes to these performance reviews, and I encourage my clients to check in with their, their bosses and the boss will go, hey, you know, everything's, everything's fine. Or, you know, if you don't hear from me, everything's good. That's not good coaching. Right. It's not good coaching. Um, so in general, what I recommend to, to people to maintain a healthy relationship um, again, manager to direct report is something like every three weeks, every four weeks to have a one-on-one, um, you know, maybe like 30 minute check-in. Um, now this varies widely from people. There, there are some people that, and I, again, I would go back to the younger generation that are so accustomed to whether it's a, you know, a video game, uh, like getting instantaneous feedback. Right. And having some sense of insecurity about, hey, how am I doing? Um, those folks are, you know, almost need daily touch-ins, right? You know, but again, you want to have a conversation. I think with people, hey, one of the things I'd like to do is make sure we, you know, stay in touch around this, right? We're checking in. I'm thinking about every three weeks. Um, how does that sound to you? What are your thoughts? Mm. 
So again, I think it varies by individual, but for a healthy relationship, professional or even personal, setting up that regular cadence and keeping it, by the way, a lot of people set them up, but they don't keep them. Mm. You know, just this kind of ongoing collaborative spirit is really important. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's, uh, and actually gave me a couple nuggets there to, to think about um, in terms of how to improve in that area. So, and, and I think you had mentioned this uh, in the discussion on supportive feedback, just talking about, well, part of it could be, you know, maybe I didn't set the expectations clearly enough. So can we dive a little bit deeper on that? Um, you know, first, I think it's, it's always good to just kind of get your thoughts. I mean, I think a lot of us have the understanding that clear expectations are important. Not everyone. I don't think everyone gets that, but I think, I think most people do. But if you could just share your thoughts on why is this so important to set really clear expectations um, and then maybe some of the mindset behind how to do it well and perhaps a couple of tactical things we could, we could apply. Yeah, sure. Um, again, I think people are a lot better at this than they actually are. Um, hey, uh, Matt, what I really need you to do is, is go make this uh, successful sales call or something. Oh, you, so, you, you, you think, so people think they're better at this than they actually are. What you're saying? Yeah. So we over, absolutely. we have this overconfidence bias that we, we think that we're doing it just right. And especially if we have certain personality characteristics. So mm. for somebody who's very introverted, um, we have these conversations with ourselves mm. and then when they come out, um, you miss a lot of the why and the why is really important. Mm. Like I'm asking you to do this. I'm setting this expectation because, and so being, being, you know, clear about what it is you're looking for or, or how it is you want people to get there. And, and again, why it matters uh, is a really important part of expectation setting, mm. um, giving things like, again, explicit timeframes Um Again, how you want it to be done. And we, we make assumptions around this. And then we ask people, so you got it. And people don't know if they got it sometimes. Right. And so, you know, the number one reason that people don't meet their goals is because they don't know what they were in the first place. Mm. And so really taking the time and asking people, um, what is it that you hear me saying? What is it you hear me asking? Um, tell me how you might go about this right now. Again, having that dialogue really matters. Right? There's, a, there's a great scene. This is probably going to go out of co- Seinfeld. Um, <laughs> if you remember Seinfeld, there's this great episode yeah. of George Costanza when he's working for the New York Yankees. And the boss says, uh, okay, so they're in the bathroom. I probably don't remember this scene. But they're in the bathroom and, and Steinbrenner or whatever says, all right, George, you got it? And yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got it. And then he spends the rest of the show trying to figure out actually what he got asked to do. Right. You know, and, but we can laugh about it, but that actually is what, what happens for a lot of people. Right. And it's probably not until they start trying to execute that they realize, oh, wait, I don't, yeah, I don't know this part. I don't know this part. And that's another reason, by the way, why it's important to set those check-in points. Mm, Yeah. And, you know, if you're a manager, you want to tend to check in earlier in the process to make sure that people are on the right track. I call it like going to grandma's house. You know, you got to make sure you get on the right highway, head in the right direction. And then once you're going that way and you can put probably the check-in marks further apart, of course, you know, it depends on major timeframes, but, and then at the end, you want to check in a little more regularly 
to just make sure you, you know, you land it just right. Right. Got it. So you, could you, could you give an example of, you know, let's just talk about, let's, let's pick a, a specific job here, you know, like, let's say, um, you know, somebody, somebody's in marketing and you want to give them really clear expectations on, you know, but Hey, let's use an example that I, that I think is probably important to both of us. So, you know, we want to, we want to grow, we want to grow a podcast, right? So, mm-hmm. so what would be an example? Like, you know, if I, if I'm your direct report, you know, and I'm in charge of, of marketing the podcast to grow it. Now, can you give me an example yeah. of how you're going to set really clear expectations? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I'm going to have a conversation with you. This is, you got to do this before you even go to expectations. That's, hey, what does it mean to grow? Right. So you're going to like? ask me my view of what, yeah. what that means. Hey, listen, Matt, I think we're on the same page. I think, you know, what I'm looking for is growth. Um, and I'm looking for growth and I'm looking for some metric of maybe success or something. So right. let's talk about what those metrics are. Right. For sake of this conversation, we'll take something really easy that we're going to increase, you know, viewership by, you know, 25% over the next six months or something like that. Okay. Perfect. So then we're going to, right. So we're going to say, okay, so that makes sense as we look, it could be challenging, right? Matt, I think you'd agree it's challenging. It's doable. Right. It's something that's going to make a difference. Right. Yeah. Okay. So um, now let's talk about um, what's the, what's the strategy for getting there. I, I would never leave somebody just out in the weeds. Okay, Matt, listen, go get 25%. Like that's at least for <laughs> right. me, not my style, right? right. What's my style? My, my responsibility is to help set you up for success. Right. If you're more senior, I'm going to say, Matt, take that, come back to me with a proposal. What's, how are we going to get there? Right. Let's come up with the plan, how we're going to execute it. And by the way, what do you need from me in order to be successful? Right. Right. With somebody else. And, and it's really important to know what the game is, right. If we're winning or losing in sports, it's easy. You know, I don't know if the, you know, we won 25 to 23 or something. It's not always as clear in business. We want to make it clear. People want to know what the game is and what it means for them to win. Mm, right. And so again, setting the expectation. So we're talking 25%. What, what are we thinking? We think in 10% the first quarter and then 15% or how are we going to break that up? How are we going to know that we're on track? Um, you know, and so that's that. So getting those metrics down, getting buy-in around those and um, coming up with a set of expectations around how we're actually going to get there is what makes the difference. Got it. Got it. Thank you. All right. So there, there's one more that I would like to go deep on here. And it's the, the last, uh, the last one in the acronym here, which is trust. Mm. And there's, this is obviously, this could be a podcast in and of itself. I, I, I truly believe. Um, but, and you alluded to this a little bit in, in the beginning here. Um, but yeah, can you just maybe go a little bit Again, I, I think most of us get why trust is important, but just your thoughts on why trust is so important if we want to have meaningful relationships that are going to not only be healthy, but drive performance in the workplace. And then, you know, what are, what are some things probably most importantly, what do we need to really avoid to, to be breaking trust? So whichever way you'd rather go or the positive, like what do we need to do to make sure trust is built and sustained or what yeah. do we need to avoid? You know, I think the issue of trust is we're almost as a as a as a people suffering from a lack of trust or a breaking of trust right now. Mm. Um, and you can look at it everything to do with the pandemic, right? You know, 
who do we trust in terms of who we're listening to? Mm-hmm. And so I think there's been the zeitgeist of distrust that's emerged in the world. Right. And what we've found is this, I, I, I work a lot with, with people and organizations where there is this sense of distrust that's developed. And I always try to start with, can we come from a place of, of that I trust, Matt, that you have the best interests of our organization at heart? Like that's a really important place to start. Can, can we establish that level of trust? Um, if you think about the implications of us not trusting one another, you know, as soon as uh, distrust, you know, becomes, it, it enters the relationship, communication goes out the window. Mm. When trust enters, communication goes out the window. And then all kinds of bad stuff happens. When there's that loss of communication, not not the least of which is now me engaging other people on the team to be on my side, mm. right? Because I, now I don't trust you because you did this, you did something, you made me look bad in front of a client, you didn't provide me with information that was critical uh, for me in order to be successful, right? You've done something that I perceive worthy of now distrusting you. And so there's this actual impact, not just on our relationship, but also on the rest of the team. And quite frankly, our ability then to deliver the best that we can to our clients. Mm. Fostering trust, it's about being transparent. It's about really importantly, Matt, raising your hand and being mea culpa, right? This is on me. I screwed up. As opposed to, of course, the opposite, which is, you know, pointing of the finger, um, you know, it's, it's owning up to when you're, hey, listen, that's not a strength of mine, or I need help, right? So it's a, a demonstrating the sense of vulnerability. At the core, trust is, like, I do what I say I'm going to do. By the way, that's also known as integrity. Right. Right. So, and I can trust you to have my back, to be my partner. So all of these things are going to foster trust. And when any of them are absent, that's going to foster the sense of distrust. And once distrust enters a relationship, it's very difficult, I find, to regain that trust. Mm. And, you know, again, if you think about that, Matt, I think in, you know, in, in personal relationships as well as professional. And trust is as important as respect, I think, when it comes to, to, to fostering engagement between people. So when there's a loss of trust or respect, you know, you can, you can imagine, I, I actually think of it physically as like we distance ourselves because mm. distancing ourselves means we protect ourselves. Right. Yeah. Crucial. Crucial. Well, what are you thinking? I, I, I can see the, yeah, there's, turning a little bit. yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot. Um, I think maybe just the, the one one follow up question here is so it sounds like you were saying you know the the most really the, the the heart of it is if we respect a person you know so this really builds off of respect right if we if we truly respect a person we're going to be thinking about whether our actions are going to be building trust or degrading trust right and um, and I think you named a couple of the important keys, right? Which is we need to be transparent with information. We need to admit fault. Um, yeah. Is there, is there anything else uh, that you would recommend for just really being proactive about this and just coming from that place of respect where we say, look, 
our relationship is really important. I never want to lose trust. Yeah. What do I need to be doing to make sure that that doesn't happen? Um, sometimes you have to wait for an incident for that to actually present itself. Mm. I'll give you a quick example. I was talking to somebody yesterday and his boss keeps saying to him, hey, listen, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And this guy went to his boss and said, hey, I need this information. And it was financial re- related, right? right? Yeah, I can't give that to you. <laughs> and so, and this, and this guy is pretty high level, right? I mean, it's not like a junior uh, guy, it's a department manager. Right. And so what I coached him to say was to go back to his boss and say, uh, you know, hey, Mr. President, I'm confused. You know, on the one hand, you say you, you trust me, you know, you believe in me. Um, and then I'm, I'm, I ask you for some information that I really view as critical for me to get my job done, to actually do what you're asking me to do. And without that information, it feels like I got a hand tied me behind my back. And so I just, I'm, I'm not getting on the one hand, you trust me. And on the other hand, I'm not, it seems like you're not trusting me with this information. Right. And that's confusing to me. So it's oftentimes, and this is, this is tricky stuff, right? It's, it's kind of, you know, bringing this stuff up to your boss is, is, can be, can be scary. Um, but you can have a straight conversation, you know, Matt, you know, it's really important that we foster, you know, I think a sense of trust between us. And my request is if I ever do anything or say anything that you feel is, um, it, it hurts our trust. My request is you tell me that. Like you call me out on that. Like you give me the opportunity to address that. Right. You know, cause Matt, our relationship is really matters, right? It's really important to me. And you can say, and I always, I always tell those people, you know, when, when you are a manager and you have a, a, somebody, a new employee say, you know, the most important thing to me is that I treat you with respect. And if I ever do or say anything or don't do or say something that leads you to be believe otherwise, my request is that you bring it to my attention. Right. Yeah, just open that door for communication right off, right at the beginning, right? And create that culture. Right. I love it. Well, Dr. Paul, this has been fantastic. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today on, on Business Leadership Today. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you again for the great work that you do. A lot of gold nuggets I took away personally, and I believe that listeners probably took away a lot of a lot of good nuggets as well. So, for those of you who would like to uh, to get in touch with Dr. Paul, um, learn more about him, we'll have links to his website on Business Leadership Today, as well as his LinkedIn profile. Um, again, and we'll have links to his books. Uh, Let's talk about it as the newest one, and um, carrots and sticks don't work as well, and. Before we sign off, I, I did want to send a quick shout out to uh, Caleb West, who produces and edits this podcast. I think he does a great job. So thank you, Caleb. And for you, the listener, um, until the next time we have an opportunity to uh, hopefully help you in some way, I wish you great success in building a world-class organization that makes a positive impact in the lives of your team members and in our world. Bye for now. <laughs>